Good morning, Monday, June 28th, 2021. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. If you had the weekend off, hopefully you got to enjoy it. Uh, it's been warm and humid uh, in central Ohio. We were out yesterday with friends out in the backyard, and it was a beautiful day yesterday, but it was sticky. And it was warm, quite warm in the sun. And uh, so, you know, it's definitely summertime, but uh, that's not something to complain about. Um, grateful for the weather we had, grateful for the time we had with friends yesterday, uh, for the weekend we had with the kids. Uh, it was it was a good time. So hopefully you enjoyed your weekend wherever you are. If you worked this weekend, above ground, on the ground, or below ground, if you worked this weekend, hopefully you can find some downtime today or tomorrow before too long. This week's meditation, this week's question, uh, I was honestly between two different questions coming into this morning. Um, but the one I settled on is, uh, of course, a question I've asked myself many times, a question I've been asked to answer both verbally and in writing. And it's a question I go back and forth on in terms of value. I, I used to, well, and part of me still does actually hate this question. So I'm going to ask you to ponder something this morning um, that I often hated it when other people asked me to ponder it or to, or to respond. I think what I hated most about it was, I don't know, the assumption perhaps that your answer wouldn't evolve over time or that you had to come up with it on the spot um, <clears throat> or perhaps that it had to develop into a full page dissertation when in fact, you know, a, a fragment of a sentence or a sentence might do, uh, which may or may not make sense to you once I ask you the question. So here it is for this week. Riddle me this riddle yourself this really. What is your leadership philosophy? So just asking the question bugs me and I and I it's hard to pinpoint, right? I said I gave a couple of reasons before. Um, if you have an answer, I would still I'd still say, think about it all week. And if you have an answer, if, if I ask you that question, what is your leadership philosophy, philosophy, and you immediately have something to provide, you can, and you rattle it off, you might be rattling it off right now, out loud. If you have an answer to this question, what I want you to focus on then this week is where are you meeting it and where are you not? Because what I've, what I've noticed when I've gone to training courses or when I've started a new job or interviewed for a position and I'm asked by a hiring authority or a prospective peer or I'm asked by somebody who's on the team who might be reporting to me on paper, what is your leadership philosophy? regardless of who you're answering that question to, um, I, I think 
the expectation is whatever we provide is set in stone. And I think it's absolutely critical that you not only determine whether you're meeting your own standard or not, but if your standard needs to adjust, if it needs to change, if it needs to account for a new experience, a new lesson, um, a new mistake you've made, which should result in a new lesson. Uh, I, I will tell you right now, what matters the most to me from a leadership perspective and what my philosophy, quote unquote, uh, is driven by, is rooted in, is three words. Build your replacement. I, I've, I've been lucky to lead several different teams and to be in a position where I've supervised and been responsible for other people at various times responsible for resources, responsible for some expensive resources. And through all of that, right, when I first started in the military, when I first started working with teammates, and when I first started doing things, even in college, in summertime jobs, when I was working on teams, right, I couldn't have articulated anything. I, I, I barely had a philosophy, a governing philosophy other than, you know, survive, get out of my house when I graduated high school, right? It's, it was very simple, at least for me. But as time went on and I started to understand, I started to, to watch good leaders and bad leaders, I started to go through programs ostensibly created to train leadership, you know, the effectiveness of which is debatable and was debatable at the time. But as I go through these programs, and perhaps for you too, as you go through these programs, right, if nothing else, your philosophy, your approach should evolve it should either become more robust and you should be stronger in the sentiment you have, or it's okay also for you to say, you know, I, I don't think, um, well, in my case, right, I could get to a point where building your replacement is not the number one thing I believe you do as a leader. I could easily get to that point where my philosophy evolves yet again and I, and I move off of that. Um, I move off of that, uh, why pedestal comes to mind. That's not really the right word. I move off of that stanchion onto another one, you know, wh whatever it is, whatever the line is you draw in the sand or whatever that priority is can evolve. So if you have an answer to this question, what is your leadership philosophy or what is the number one thing? for you as a leader to do, what do you think the number one thing is for a leader to do? If you've got an answer to that question, then interrogate it. Spend this week pondering why you believe that, where that comes from, and if it still makes sense, given everything you've got going on around you. Build your replacement is my answer to that question. And I, and I tell you that certainly not to suggest that it should be yours because I've, I also have come to believe over time that it is next to impossible for all of us to have the same philosophy. And I actually don't think it's a good idea. At one point I, I did, at one point I thought, you know, we, if we don't all have the same philosophy, this, this whole organization, this whole effort, this whole, whatever is going to tank. And I don't think that's true. It may sound naive, it may seem pompous or arrogant to you for me to have said that, but you know, at one point I thought, well, that must be what unity of effort means. We all have the same approach going in. 
but that's, that's not realistic. It's not possible. We're all too different. Every single one of us grew up differently, different parents, different um, life circumstances, different environment, different homes, different places on the earth. There's so many variables to the sequence of events and the timeline that brings us to this point now, let alone the different circumstances you and I are in right now, how different they might be from each other, that it's impossible for us to have developed the same philosophy. And so it's impossible for us, I think, to have theoretical arguments in the office, to have debates and to talk about why I believe mine versus you believe yours. I think that is vitally important. And, and all too often I worked in environments where people really weren't willing to engage in that kind of thing. I think it's vitally important to have a conversation about why you believe what you believe to, to the extent that it affects the organization, right? So I'm not saying you need to launch into um, interrogations of your personal faith systems with each other. You can. I don't know that the, the taboo on politics and religion at work is necessarily a good idea either because it puts us in a place where we're not used to talking about it um, calmly. Now, as a military person, there's additional restrictions and expectations, right? You don't talk about politics at work. Ideally, you're not supposed to. Um, you don't even talk religion or personal faith systems to a point uh, unless you're asked, perhaps, right? You you can't You can't necessarily invite someone to your church or to your place of worship. Um, so, but, but those, those unique scenarios aside, certainly when it comes to something like leadership philosophy, training philosophy, this is how I think we prepare the next generation. You absolutely should be having that conversation at work. It's just as important, I would think, or I, I know it is just as important. I believe it is just as important as it is when Maggie and I when you and your spouse, when you and your partner, uh, when you and your parents talk about parenting, right? Maggie and I talk about parenting philosophy, what we're doing with our boys, what we allow them to do, don't allow them to do, what we would allow them to do, what we think is going to be the case when they're 14, 15, 16. Our oldest is two and a half, right? And so you might say, Worry about it when you get there. Cross that bridge when you get to it. But what's going to be happening when we get to the bridge? It's not going to be sunny and 75 in the middle of nowhere and the river is low and we're just crossing a bridge, right? That's never the case. When our oldest is 14 and we're crossing a bridge and that bridge itself is rickety and riddled with uh, challenge and uncertainty. It's going to be, there's going to be thunderstorms and a forest fire and um, I don't know, insert some other natural disaster. And then by that point, the 12 year old is going to present us with another bridge. And really it's going to be Maggie and me crossing two separate bridges at the same time, hoping we find each other on the other side. Right. And that's just our household for people. The reality is if you're not talking about how and why you lead and how and why you lead the way you do, you're not getting better at it. You're just following a procedure. All you're doing is following a mold, following a pattern, following a habit, 
And the more you do that without interrogating it, it may feel comfortable and it may feel easy with time, but you're one, you're not getting any better at it. And two, your people, your teammates, the people who are relying on you as their leader might very well be suffering because of it. Perhaps they're not physically suffering, but if you've never taken the time to think about whether your approach is still valid, they might be suffering mentally, emotionally, and you don't even know it because you are so sold on who you are and the way you lead and the way you present yourself to them that they know they can't approach you with feedback. They know they can't talk to you. Maybe you say, I'm totally open to feedback. But if you demonstrate that you are not in any way open to changing your approach, to changing how you counsel, how you discipline, how you train, how you explain those things to them, your teammates are going to pick it up. The team members are going to pick it up. I think I've, I've talked about this on a previous episode. Your teammates, your team members, your soldiers, your airmen, your frontline employees, staff, whatever that term is for you, they are never as ill-informed. I, what I used to say in the Air Force was, your crew members are never as dumb as you think, which I still believe, right? But I know it can sound kind of crass. But the reality is, even if you're working with a team of 40 and 50-year-olds and all of you have been around the block and you know your jobs, you know, it's a team of 15, perhaps you as the leader, as the supervisor still can fall into that trap where you think, well, I've, I've got more information than they do. They don't understand what it's like, blah, 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 blah. Okay. They may not know what every minute of your day is like, and they may not have a sense of the information you're privy to. They may, they may not be allowed access into your decision-making because of sensitive things that you have to look at that they can't look at. But I'm telling you, they're not as dumb as you think. They're picking up on the signals that you're putting down implicitly every day, even if you're virtual, even if you're on Zoom. So if you're not taking the time to, in, to interrogate your own philosophy, your own approach, you're doing them a disservice and you're doing yourself a disservice because you could be much better than you are. Ideally, your goal is to get better. What is your leadership philosophy? What is the number one thing that matters to you in terms of how and why you lead? And you better believe the why part is critical. You're not there just because, well, if, if you're there because you want to control other people, that's probably bad. But if your answer to why lead is, well, because I've always wanted to be a leader, that's not enough of an answer. That's not enough of an answer because what does that do? What does that mean and where does it get you? Which is where my own philosophy comes from. My own philosophy is born of what I think my purpose is when put into a leadership position. Because my contribution is finite, my time is finite. But what I can focus on that not only selfishly gives me meaning and fulfills me, but accomplishes the, the, the number one goal of any leader, in my opinion, which is to serve others and to serve the group. 
the, the thing that I can do that will serve them and that will provide them the longest lasting value, I believe at this moment in time <clears throat> is to build my replacement, which really means doing everything I can to give them the tools and the experiences and the lessons for them to do my job, take my position, take my role, be better at it than I could ever be. That's my philosophy in a nutshell. I do not expect you to adopt it. You, you can if you want. You can steal it if you want. You can steal it verbatim if you want, but I, don't, I certainly wouldn't expect that, and I don't think that's a good thing. I said that before. So what is your leadership philosophy? What is the number one thing that matters to you that explains how and why you lead? Ask yourself that this week, and as always, encourage others to ask you that question and to interrogate your response and see how much better you can get this week. It's the end of June. Independence Day weekend is coming up. Um, I was lucky enough to be featured on a podcast, on another person's podcast last week. That episode should be coming to you in a couple of weeks. Uh, We agreed to, she's going to come on this show which I'm excited for. And then we're going to trade uh, the audio at, at least. She does it in video and she actually does it live as well. So that was a different experience, but we're going to trade the audio. You'll get to listen to a couple of, or that additional episode from her show. Uh, it's called Hope When There Was None. That's the title of the podcast. So if you've got some time and you're looking for another podcast to listen to, I absolutely encourage you to go find that one. Hope When There Was None. Um, and you can find the episode now on her feed, uh, and then it will become an episode in, in my feed here pretty soon. Uh, beyond that, like always, get outside today. Find some time to get outside. Take a walk around your building. Take a walk around your house. Breathe some fresh air. Find a friend or a loved one. Text them. Call them. Give them a hug if you can see them in person and let them know how important they are to you and how important it is that they are in your life. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and lead well.